Hey everybody, take off your hat and stay a while. Welcome to Radio Gripe. Welcome to uh, yet another entry in our trying to find a, an opening. I'm one of the people here. I'm Joe. And I'm Jen. Thanks for joining us. This is our general discussion show where we we just improv. We just make it all up on the spot. Uh, all the news, we make it happen here. No, that's not true. We just kind of talk about things. What do you think about my intro struggles, Jen? Do you it's, think I should? It's tragic. Yeah. Um, I'm not mad at take off your hat and stay a while. Put a little Sam Elliott on that and try it again. Take off your hat and stay a while. Great. Now do the whole show like that. Well, Sam Elliott's a little problematic there, partner. <laughs> uh, well, let's just get straight to uh, the warm-up, as we call it, for the A Block. And uh, let's do our check-in, find out what uh, – talk about what each other have been loving, listening, laughing at. Listening, learning. Listening. What's in the headspace? Let's go to the headspace. Headspace. Joe, you go first. Uh, I don't know. I've had a few things uh, on my mind. I think I had mentioned last time that I've been playing Stray. That's really, that's, that's cool. I have, you know, I'm kind of back on some Assassin's Creed stuff again already because it's just like that, that open world addiction. But I like Stray a lot. And um, I was pleased just today to find out that uh, Steam the game maker they're they're announcing their next breaker because they saw just how how much of a runaway hit stray is sure so their next game is not like the it's only not the only next game but one of the games that they're uh developing and getting ready to release is squirrel with a gun <laughs> is the title of the game and the premise End of story <laughs> I don't like that um, squirrel needs to have a tiny samurai sword. No, nah, for whatever reason, this uh, this squirrel. Uh, what I, what I've seen in the release video is that it grabs a regular sized gun and kind of runs around with it, and its hands are big enough to kind of hold around the trigger area, which makes it very alarming. Yeah, I yeah, can imagine. yeah. So a reason to have a gun safe in the backyard. Yeah, so it's good to see that you know we've moved on from Untitled Goose Game, uh, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, into Squirrel with a gun. At least, you know, we're calling it what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It says something about the uh, direction things are moving. These uh, critters are going to have to be more heavily armed as they go. They're not going to have to be, but they incidentally will be when the people just are apparently leaving guns out all willy-nilly for squirrels to get. Leaving them under the oak tree. Yeah, that's what happens when you start stockpiling weapons. You lose track of them. Next thing you, you ba- know... You bury them next to the nuts in yeah, the yard. <laughs> next thing you know, um, all those critters in your backyard are armed, uh, which I, su- I support I the liberation salute. of backyard critters. Yeah. Um, what, would that, what would that liberation army be? Well, we were working on a tabletop game in which we pit uh, urban animals against each other in battle. Not only each other, but also uh, man-made you know, hazards and uh, man-made environments, too, if mm-hmm. you recall. Yeah, that one fell to the wayside when we started playing D&D. We were like, oh, somebody already made a game. Yeah. It's the first time we heard about like somebody else making a game that we could play. Yeah. So we just dove into that instead. We thought we were going to make the first game. Also, I just uh, want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Beth Consetta Rubel, uh, an artist out of Austin, who, uh, from what I see, is in Sacramento now, and kind of killing it. 
um, in some galleries and, uh, doing these big murals and everything else. Um, but yeah, that was just somebody I knew as, um, uh, she was a customer at Pacha when your favorite kind of regulars were like, they're, they're not super comfortable about that, how often they're there, you know, like they're not, they're not in your face about knowing your name and what are you up to, you know? And, uh, one day I just, I found a sticker, uh, it's on a record player. It's a, uh, kind of pastel work of Obama eating some ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's was local artist, Beth Consider Rubel. And I ended up finding out it was her, uh, followed her on Instagram and, uh, yeah, man, she's kicking ass with a lot of, a lot of really good work. I like it. I like yep. what she does. There you go, guys. Find her on the socials. Check her out. Commission a piece. Uh, she probably doesn't take commissions. Buy print. Go to Sacramento. See her show. Yeah, go to Sacramento. Fuck that place. Uh, but anyway, what about, uh, what about you, Did Joe? You say go to Sacramento and then fuck it. I didn't say and. I said go to Sacramento. Fuck that place. Okay. Take that, listeners in Sacramento. Well, we have an email. It's uh, we're trying show at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram, which is Radio Grape. Uh, Sacramento listeners, reach out. Um, and anybody else uh, who wants to shoot us an email, we would love to uh, have any type of feedback, really. Yeah. And to be clear, don't take it to KBSR because uh, the opinions expressed here are ours. Uh, it's just happening right here at this table. And uh, so, yeah, come at us with those. But anyway, uh, what's up with uh, you and, uh, and your whole headspace? What's in there? Uh, what's in my headspace? I just noticed uh, two interesting docu-series coming out, documentaries, uh, that I will possibly check out one of them for sure. First of all, uh, Discovery Plus um, we have a new three-part docu-series that's uh, dropping or has dropped um, about Army Hammer. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, former Hollywood superstar Army Hammer, uh, so good and uh, sorry to bother you. Uh, we did talk about him a year or two ago on the show when we did our uh, Bad Boys of Hollywood. <laughs> who got, so we called that who got me too'd. <laughs> um, uh, they talked about Marilyn Manson, Shia LaBeouf and Army Hammer who, and I said at the time not to kink shame, but I think some of his partners were just a little unprepared for what was coming to them for, they didn't like it. They didn't like being told that, uh, Army Hammer, uh, was going to, that he was going to be salivating over their dead bodies like some horny road runner. Uh, trying to uh, flip through the cookbook to see how best to prepare their succulent flesh. Fucking... Uh, a tweet had gone viral. Um, he's been hiding out in the Coney Island. Uh, he's been hiding out in the Cayman Islands. In the Coney Islands. <laughs> the Coney Islands. <laughs> uh, he's been hiding out... Great this time of year. ...in the Cayman Islands. Um, Selling uh, timeshares, if I'm not mistaken. Well, there was a, a post that went viral a couple of months ago, or maybe less than that. Time is uh, does not exist. A young woman had posted that uh, a, a flyer that her mom sent to her and said, uh, "Army Hammer is the con- is my concierge of my hotel. The actor Army Hammer." And uh, she t- she had texted back, 
what? Holy shit. I heard he ate people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, didn't he eat, didn't he eat some people? Didn't he eat some people? Um, pretty sure I heard that. Yeah. It turns out he's not actually working at the hotel or or he, maybe he was, he hangs out there a lot. The hotel was kind of trying to protect him. Uh, but it is confirmed that he is selling timeshares, uh, out in the Cayman Islands as a sort of a post Hollywood career. Uh, and the house of hammer, I don't, I don't know anything about it, but it's a three parter. And, uh, I have army hammers Aunt uh, Casey, Casey hammer saying here, Casey hammer. I'm about to reveal the dark twisted secrets of the hammer family. <laughs> and I can't wait to find out. What those are. The prodigal cousin, MC, all his dirty deeds. Um, second one, That's this is a Netflix, also a three-part docuseries, Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. Uh, now, Joe, if you're anything like me, you saw Woodstock 94 occurring. Mm-hmm. And... The epic Nine Inch Nails performance where everybody got rained on and they're wrestling around in the mud. Right. Um, it looked fucking amazing and we were both too young to, to be there. Sure. I, I guess maybe legally. Unless our parents wanted to take us there and yeah. drop us off, pick us up three days later. Yeah. But that, uh, that, that rainy, muddy hit of, uh, industrial music uh definitely looked enticing from afar it looked like shangri fucking law to you know 15 year old me or whatever um so i said the next time they do this i'm definitely gonna be there and they did it again in 99 and i wasn't there and that's great that i wasn't there because uh, apparently it was a literal shit show yeah i was looking at the salon article that just kind of sums up highlights. You know, wh- what happened there? What went wrong? Well, okay, profits over health and safety. Far cry from the uh, spirit of, of, of uh, free love. Right. Uh, from, the, from the 69, uh, legendary uh, 69 festival. Yeah. Um, these guys wouldn't allow people to bring in any water for the three t- You have to buy the water there. Which was uh, the average price of water in the '90s was 65 cents. Here it cost four dollars for like a 12 ounce bottle, which went up to 12. That's a dollar an ounce of water. God uh, went up to 12 when vendors ran low of stock. Price gouging at Woodstock. I would never have seen it coming. Yeah, it's a different world now, kids. Endless piles of garbage. An attendee who was there was picking picking up trash and urging festival goers to pick up their own filth. Uh, one person said to me, she says, I paid $150 to be here. You should clean it up. Crowds of men groping and sexually harassing young women. The uh, security staff was just like teenagers that they gave some money to. <laughs> Limp Biscuit's rambunctious crowd. Oh, yeah, Limp Biscuit was the there. The energy... Was pretty sure, from the get go. I'm pretty sure that Limp Biscuit was at at Woodstock is a sign yeah. of the apocalypse. <laughs> Young festival goers were riled up by loud music and copious amounts of drugs and alcohol. Uh, but once Limp Biscuit took center stage, the crowd finally reached its <laughs> tipping point. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. Who is to blame for what happened afterwards is still up for debate, but many Woodstock 99 organizers, including John Shear, uh, pointed fingers at Fred Durst for encouraging his mm. crowd to go out of control. Uh, during the opening of his performance, he asked his fans, how many of you people ever woke up one morning and just decided it wasn't going to be one of those days <laughs> and you're going to break some shit? 
well, this is one of those days, y'all, where everything's fucked up. And you just want to break shit. And then he urged them to reach deep down inside and take all their negative energy and let that shit out of your fucking system. And when this song kicks in, I want you to fucking let it out while they went fucking berserk. Hmm. People getting trampled, coming out with bloody heads, broken legs. Oh, jeez. They, they started tearing down the sound towers, tearing apart the plywood, plywood planks. Uh, it was like a scene where zombies are coming over the castle walls. A bunch of white, well-manicured zombies wearing bod body spray. Well, I mean, this is not frosted uh, Coachella. Tips. So uh, at this point, people were probably pretty filthy and about to get more filthy. Uh, the, ba- the shower facilities were near the bathrooms. And when they started smashing and breaking the water pipes, the clean supply of water mixed with the runoff from the porta potties to create a nasty sludge. That looked like mud, so unbeknownst to a few boisterous festival goers, the mud they were fooling around oh, in was no. actually feces, uh, on-site drinking faucets, uh, which they did have, but there were very long lines for them, were broken or running murky brown water. Public health investigator examined samples of the drinking water available at Woodstock 99 and found that they were all severely contaminated with feces. Ah. The thought that people are out there drinking this, exposing themselves, bathing in this stuff, it was like the worst nightmare, he said. Jesus. Oh, and then the final act was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And during the band's closing set, the festival goers handed out 100,000 candles uh, for a staged vigil mourning the victims of the Columbine school shooting, which took place a few months prior. As expected, this backfired. The candles were used to set fires in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Scraps of trash, stray pieces of wood, and broken artwork were thrown in, causing the fires to grow in intensity. Yeah. Uh, they also targeted the venue's speaker tower, shaking it violently until it fell to the ground, and they lit nearby trailers and trucks on fire. Also attacked a cluster of food vendors, knocking down their tents and smashing their ATM machines uh, and stealing up to $70,000 in cash that uh, they were able to break out of those. Um, says Rosenblatt, To give flames to an audience that is three days into being treated like animals, it was not a very smart decision. Yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers, what the fuck were you thinking? Jesus. So, anybody uh, in the listening crowd who might have been at Woodstock 99 or knows somebody that suffered the trauma of Woodstock 99... You may be entitled to compensation. Uh, <laughs> reach out to us. <laughs> uh, I want to I wanna hear about your experiences. Uh, we got a lot of music uh, uh, lovers in the... Uh, audience and also as contributors to uh kbsr black sparrow network some of you are even limp biscuit lovers biscuit heads uh no judgment i don't want to judge you biscuit heads biscuit heads i don't want to judge you biscuit heads i just want to hear your stories from woodstock 99 (laughs) oh man you know it is it is so funny that uh it's so that happened in 99 you know like uh 21 years ago or so you're bringing it up because it was just the eight-year anniversary of the Dave Matthews Chicago shitting incident. Yes. Uh, for, for those that celebrate. For those that celebrate. It's the eighth uh, annual uh, where Dave Matthews Band goes and shits on that same boat. A, over that same bridge. So on, on a bridge, yeah. the Dave Matthews Band tour bus, a tour bus dumped their toilets onto a sightseeing tour uh, on a boat that was on the water. From what I'm told, at at the behest of the tour manager, it wasn't like the band was alone in the van like, I don't know, what do we do? You know, that's comical to think about, but apparently the manager was like, I don't care, just fucking put it in the river. 
you know. Guys, it- I have the the band needs to shit now. <laughs> we got to empty that septic tank. It's just one of those days when you don't want to wake up. Everything is fucked, everybody sucks. You don't really know why, but you want to justify ripping someone's head off. No human contact, and if you interact, your life's on contract. Your best bet's to stay away, motherfucker. It's just one of those days. It's all about the he says, she says bullshit. I think you better quit, let not slip, or you'll be leaving with a fat lip. It's all about the he says, she says bullshit. Feeling like a freight train First one to complain Leaves with a blood stain Darn right I'm a maniac You better watch your back Cause I'm fucking up your program And then you're stuck up You just lucked up Next in line to get up Your best bets to stay away Motherfucker It's just one of those days Oh, give me something to break Give me something to break Give me something to bring Oh, how about your own face I hope you know a pack of chainsaws Oh, we got Harvey the studio kitten in here She's chasing dust bunnies. So we we got a lot to talk about this week. Um, I don't even know if we're lot. gonna. I don't even know if we're gonna get to everything. Where do you want to start? I'm kind of not sure, but I think you know uh, we can start with some things that we'll kind of breeze through. Oh, she found she found something noisy. <laughs> Trump's Mar-a-Lago home got raided by the FBI. Yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, so this happened on uh, Monday, the 8th. Uh, apparently a judge signed off on it on the 5th, but everybody was like, well, there's a barbecue actually, so let's wait till Monday. Well, they wanted him to not be there. Yeah, he was he was, he was gone. And that's that makes sense. Could you imagine how messy it would fucking be if he was present for it, you know? Catch up everywhere. <laughs> so we don't know the full extent of everything, but there's some of it. Like, for instance, like, the the items taken, right, Uh, in what was unsealed, uh, what we see are, one item is, like, handwritten note, and another item is leather-bound box of documents. They were carrying, I saw pictures, they were carrying boxes of shit out. Boxes, yeah. And also, the receipt says leather-bound box of documents, and that does make it sound kind of kinky. Um, I don't sure. know what he was doing with those documents, but, um, well, that's the question that I have. Right. Yeah. Uh, we do know though, uh, it was kind of aimed mainly at uh, the fact that he has a history of really bad, bad record keeping. We've talked about it on the show before about him trying to flush stuff down the toilet, yeah, uh, so documents and, and everything else. And like the missing call logs from January 6th. Maggie and, uh, Haberman, who also recently shared a picture of shredded documents in a white house toilet, mm-hmm. uh, because she's got a book coming out. She kind of broke it down on the New York times podcast. I was listening to earlier. So during his time in the white house, he had this really 
they they tried everything to get him to save sure. important documents because they they're supposed to be archived and this is going back to the Nixon administration uh because of Watergate. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> um but his he's got a weird relationship with documents like he's frequently shredding them sometimes trying to flush them down the toilet yeah. which I you have to imagine that the the pipes in the White House are not equipped for that sort of thing. No. There's um, one toilet that can take body parts, mm, but if you're uh-huh, just yeah. in any toilet trying to put random stuff in there, it's not going to work. Right. Right. Um uh other documents he would be like weirdly like try to show them off to people like mm-hmm. uh, love letters from waving, Kim Jong waving letters around wave them around yeah. leave them out where visitors could see them hoping that they would comment on them and that sort of thing <laughs> so with this weird relationship with documents oh, that he has love i love the image of him waiting for somebody <laughs> to come into the room and he's trying to be impressive and so he's got like a letter from Kim Jong Un out and he just like kind of keeps repositioning it just, just a little bit to try to find out where it looks the best. <laughs> yeah. Like, did I just casually put this down and forget about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. Oops. I have so many of these. Oh, I have so many of these. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. so, so when he packed up and left the white house, uh, they packed up 15 or 20 boxes yeah. full of stuff. Um, just like a lot of it was papers, but also, you know, like apparently like a raincoat and heard, like some like golf balls. A, a, and... a photo binder. Yeah, and golf balls and all these things that were like, yeah, not his. So the... <laughs> and taking the China. Archive. <laughs> uh, the presidential archive was in, t- when they realized this, was in touch uh, with, with Trump. Uh, and they spent much of the course of 2020 having a back and forth like, oh, hey, maybe there's a misunderstanding here. Uh, those actually aren't mementos or souvenirs. Those those are those belong here. They don't belong to you. And right. we do need to archive those if you could just return those. And apparently, no. Um, but but after some lengthy period of time, those boxes were given back yeah. to the White House. I had heard that, yeah, there was some attempt made at, like, some stuff turned over, but... At which point, um, going through those boxes, they discovered, oh, there's actually, like, a ton of confidential, like, highly, highly classified documents in these boxes that Trump took. And they also realized that there was a lot missing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, after repeatedly trying to get those uh, missing documents back, and then finally convening a grand jury and then issuing finally uh, uh, issuing a warrant yeah um they just went ahead and fucking raided it fucking did it they, yeah. they saw fit to wait till he left town and uh sent the fbi out there to uh retrieve these missing documents and there has been a lot of outrage obviously on the part of the trump people this is right uh, more of more of the same witch hunt this well, is so weaponizing the FBI against, you know, to, by his political opponents. Right. Uh, of course, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene has come out and uh, she's actually filed impeachment papers for Merrick Garland, the attorney general. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to, to kind of like keep it on track though, uh, when it comes down to the type of things, like what specifically this is about, what could it be? Um, it must be important to, to do something so outrageous. Right. The, there were the Washington Post broke the story top secret items in there that some of these documents 
are related to the nuclear weapons program. Yeah. These are the ones that he held back and kept. It's not just a love letter from Kim Jong. Some of these things are labeled straight on there that it is top secret or it has the code for being like the toppest of top secret things, which should not be anywhere outside of. It shouldn't be laying on the should, coffee table in Mar-a-Lago. fucking lockdown in, in some <laughs> government building or whatever. And so the reason that this is happening is that he is actually under investigation for obstruction of justice and uh, espionage act violations. Right, right, right. Because of what this stuff is pertaining to. And there's massive amounts of it. And from what I understand, uh, they... They showed the receipts. They unsealed all the documents that they were looking for and like basically mostly what they found. Obviously, they're not saying what's in that. The FBI is trying actually pushing to unseal the warrants and um, Trump says he wants that too. So they have three days to do it. What they've said so far after they unsealed some shit already, he says, yeah, no, that's all right. I had all that stuff. So all I, the stuff they had, that's all my stuff that they took. I know 2016 was a super long time ago, but you, not to point out the hypocrisy unnecessarily, but we, we could actually maybe even had a Clinton presidency during the last, you know, from, from uh, 2016 to 2020, uh, except that she was also under the, uh, under investigation by the FBI uh-huh. because of a, a, a private email server. In her home. That she may have received some sensitive communications on instead of going through the proper channels where everything is properly encrypted. Right. And uh, that was a huge uh, talking point for the Trump campaign that uh, he specifically said anybody who would be careless with (laughs) confidential communications has no business in the White House. Yeah, ineligible. Ineligible. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, but he's the turns table. <laughs> he's not going to come around to see his own hypocrisy, you know, and he'll he'll just kind of like twist and turn and be like, "But it's not like that." No, you don't understand. Those are mine. No, what he's going to he's literally already suggested or some of his people have. And I know this because of an interview with Michael Cohen, his former lawyer that I saw on CNN, uh where it was suggested that anything the FBI finds that's damaging uh, or looks bad is actually planted by the FBI because this is just a hit job. Oh, sure. And his his response to that was that's that's despicable. And trust me, I I don't know what the FBI found, but I know this guy, and he's a real piece of shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he's like, I got fucked over by him, and now he's getting fucked over. You know, right. how, how do them apples taste? And that <laughs> he's a little salty towards Trump at this point. I would imagine. Alrighty, so TikTokers, it's Michael Cohen on Michael Cohen Reacts. Alright, knock knock. Who's there? The fucking FBI, that's who's there. 100 FBI agents tonight. I mean, look, I've, I've been down this road before. I mean, they probably over four different locations, uh, had 100 federal agents when I was raided, but 100 federal agents raided Marilardo today, alright, with armored vehicles taking away God knows what. And at the end of the day, I can promise you only one thing. 
that whatever information that it is that they took from him, it's information he didn't want exposed. This is against the former per this is against the former president of the United States of America. I am certain that they went through that warrant, unlike what they did with mine, where it was, you know, signed off at 9:30 on a Sunday night. I assure you that the magistrate in this specific case went through every single line of this significantly long document. What it's telling me is that Merrick Garland is finally beginning to move. Something that we have all been hoping for, something that we've all been wishing for, for a long period of time. So, TikTokers, everybody, enjoy the night. Let's just all rejoice the fact that this man who has avoided, legitimately avoided any responsibility for anything is now going to be held accountable. And again, it goes right back to the Democratic adage, no one is above the law. Um, somebody may have tipped off investigators about there still being more classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Well, it's definitely the case. How did they know? Donald knows that there are leakers uh, or people who are, I'd like to say, doing the right thing for the right reason. I don't believe so. But whatever it is, every single person that he comes in contact with, and that includes his own children, he has to be wondering, who is it that provided the information to the government for them to be able to obtain this warrant? Because you could bet your bottom dollar, in order to get the warrant, this thing was scrutinized and significantly. Hmm. And with these sort of suggestions that the FBI is partisan and just working for the radical leftist Democrats to take down a great man so that right. he doesn't run again. And maybe they're even planting evidence in there. He's got his people all riled up. An armed man yesterday uh, attacked an FBI building in Cincinnati, right. uh, tried to breach the building. Ultimately, he was killed by police in a cornfield. Yeah, he exchanged after, uh, gunfire uh, and the whole deal. And... Gun battle, lengthy gun battle and in uh, a standoff. Yeah. So, yeah, we're already seeing uh, now they've just barely released the guy's identity. I can't verify this is some sort of act of uh, right wing terrorism or, or martyrdom. Uh, but, you know, you have to imagine that, that it could be. I don't know. I don't know what direction this is going to go. I think we've all been hoping for some accountability. Uh, I, for, I forget. The, I forget the guy that tweeted. uh well, if they can if they can do this to the former president, imagine what they can do to you. Oh, that was Dates, uh, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan setting a uh, imagining a world in which uh, horrifyingly powerful people can uh, are are also uh, subject to subject the law. to the law. <laughs> yeah, I mean, woo, mind blown. Yeah, no, I think my I think my favorite response to that was, oh no, is my Mar-a-Lago next? Um, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, fucking absurd. I mean, it's they're, they're really showing their asses on uh, how much they don't know. The thing about that that's more worrying, and I wasn't trying to cut you off from it. I just no, no. I, I feel like we would probably get lost in a conversation we're not prepped for for the yeah. radio about the, the far right and the Trump loyalists uh, and the people who are being kind of openly antagonistic to the legal process and the democratic process right now, uh, because that ties into, you know, America's long flirtation with fascism. 
yeah. kind of, and it ebbs and flows. Hey, fascism is back in fashion. The, over, the Overton window uh, has moved so much that now it's like a lot more towards the center. There are Republican candidates know? who are openly shitting on the concept of democracy. They yeah. don't like the word. They yeah. they don't Marjorie like the concept. Taylor Green. Hey, guys, this is a republic, not a democracy. Democracy is dangerous. Marjorie it's the Taylor rule of the Green rabble. is calling for Christian nationalism. Yes. Straightforward. Yes. And there's a lot of people who have her back a lot of times because they don't really understand the what those words fully mean in the context. You know, they're like, I'm a Christian. I live in a nation. Sounds great. And it's like, like you don't really know. I mean, you can t- you can turn on mainstream media, Fox News, and see and see fascistic rhetoric. But this is the first time I've seen uh, patriots openly calling for the death of democracy uh, using those specific words, which is well, it's the first time since January sixth, twenty twenty one. Yeah, January sixth, they thought they were a lot of those people thought they were defending democracy. They thought the election sure. was undemocratic. That it was stolen by tyrants. Tyrants. They really thought that, and a lot of them still do. Yeah. Actually, no, yeah, like more than I mean, half of more than half of of Republican voters apparently believe that this is now a banana republic. Okay, you know what? Can we think about that for a moment? You know what banana republic means? Uh, enlighten me. Banana republic refers to a specific incident uh, that I think happened in South America where bananas were found uh, and like a a ready supply of them. And the government, because there was a a demand for it within the industrial revolution, uh, the the government basically cashed in and it's like bananas were the only fucking thing that matters in this entire country. And also – we don't have democracy and we don't have justice necessarily in this country. So it became a banana republic because bananas were the only thing that mattered. And that, yeah, their economy collapsed, their country collapsed. It relies more specifically, it's about a government which relies on only a single resource, like a single crop of agriculture, or they rely on foreign influence and power to prop them up. That is what a banana republic is. Well, I uh, apologize so, for misusing the, the term. Well, because I want to point this out There's no bananas involved in what Tr- we're... Yeah, Trump is talking about it being a banana republic yep. because he's like, this stuff is bananas. Like, that's what he's trying to say. And people are like, yeah, I know, right? I'm so mad about it. And it's like, no, you don't understand. That term just does not apply here. The, the way, like, the rhetoric for Trump and the far right works... Is everything is a witch hunt. Everything is a fraud. Everything is a sham. And now it's a banana republic. That's just another thing that's been like a term that's been thrown in. That To think about somebody who's red in the face, spit flying from their lips, and they're just like ready to kill a cop over how angry they are at all the fucking leftists. And think about them yelling, banana republic! That is absurdity. That is the face of absurdity to me. Uh, 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 uh,
And I'm a little afraid of her. She's a she's a weird energy. She's got a weird energy. Uh, well, of course, you know the ne- the next natural step is to talk about some other news uh, with some right wing stuff. Alex Jones uh, has been going through some trial this last week, and uh, boy, local howdy. icon Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. Is back in court. Back in court. Uh, once again in Travis County. To paraphrase that poem about Nazis and Alex Jones's uh, defense lawyer in his closing argument. <clears throat> first they came. First they came for Roger Stone, and I said, "Yeah, good." Um, <laughs> then they then they came for. Alex Jones and I said, "Yeah, about fucking time." And then, then they came for Donald Trump, and I was like, "Yes, yes." A chorus comes up on that one. Two of the parents of a child that was murdered in the Sandy Hook shooting. This this is the defamation trial. They've been defamed by Alex Jones. Uh, obviously, uh, according to Alex, this shooting did not exist. It was a false flag. Everything is a false flag to this man, or it was for a long period of time. Um, he's getting a little—he's getting a little more careful about what he says is a false flag now. I, he was leaning in that direction with Uvalde, but he's like, ah, I kind of don't want to get sued again. Uh, but for quite a long time, uh, a cornerstone uh, of of some of his content, uh, his money making schemes his mm-hmm. his dick pill infomercials uh was this idea that uh sandy hook didn't happen he comes with all this fake proof that you know uh no one was really killed or injured the kid the kids were all actors they're all alive yeah after this happens so you can see them at the super bowl singing in the children's choir that there was already uh, snacks and tray tables uh, tables out for police and paramedics uh, five minutes after the shooting or whatever the fuck. Um, and also that the parents are all liars. And he got a guy on his side, this is a Wolfgang uh, Halbert. Halbert, yeah. Uh, guy uh, who is mentally ill, like demonstrably, um, who was on a crusade to prove that uh, it didn't happen. It's a good, it's a, some sort of, deep state uh conspiracy to take away all your guns which they never actually got around to doing still have um no kids actually died and these parents are all fucking liars who don't even have kids and 
These were the claims that he made. These are claims that he made on his show. He yeah. had multiple people making these claims. He had so-called experts like the uh, um, Wolfgang Halberg yeah. uh, onto his show to uh, to push, push this hoax of a narrative. Who, in the meantime, was also writing letters to the to the parents, the the grieving parents, saying things like repeatedly saying, "We know that school was already condemned and closed." If it existed, why would you send your child to that school with its filthy and deplorable conditions, which he repeated filthy and deplorable like 16 times in the letter, which already tells me that he's not all there. And if you just talk to the man, you'll probably realize that this guy has problems. But instead, they decided to repeatedly platform him, which led to InfoWars... Uh, info warriors um you talk about biscuit heads uh yeah. so yeah. uh it, it led to people hunting down both online and IRL and and harassing some of these parents including these two particular parents in the defamation case right making their lives even more hellish than what they had already exp- gone through yeah uh and that had happened um somewhere around 8 to 9 years ago huh and so, so yeah, it happened at the tail end of 2012, uh, and it wasn't until 2015 that him pushing that narrative even started kind of like getting called out. This lawsuit's been going for a long fucking time, like a lot of these motions, right? And yeah, in 2015, he was being called on to change the narrative. And or just fucking leave them alone. Yeah. Tell his supporters to leave them alone and stop right. talking about it altogether. He can't do yeah. that. He has to defend his position. And that's, and that's so whenever he like comes in now over the next few days, and I'm not trying to jump too far ahead during this last week of the trial, he has said on his show is like, I talked to her. I saw her. She's real. And I'm not trying to miscontextualize that. He's trying to say she's not an actor. She is a real person. But he says it very simply. He just says, she's, you know, she's real. She's real. And that guy, that guy, Neil, he's, you know, is, he's a really good guy. And it just, he's, I think he's, he's, he's kind of slow. slow. He's kind of slow. And they've been, they're, they're, you know, being taken advantage of by ambulance chasers. And he just finds another way to shift blame. Yeah. Now it's on the he's evil still, lawyers. He still just doesn't really ever get it so he weasels around but he never gets to the point that he fucking lied and made money off of it so this latest trial is not about his guilt or innocence because they skipped that part as alex correctly says yeah uh he's just automatically guilty yeah doesn't get to make a defense for himself well he did have years of opportunity to make a defense for himself and he chose not to participate in the legal process in any way didn't participate in discovery where he was asked to turn to uh, turn over materials as you legally have to do the funny thing is the guy says he has receipts for everything every everything he holy crazy shit he says on his show is it's all documented but when he's asked to provide any documentation whatsoever to back up uh, his wild claims yeah it, it turns out he has nothing. He has it, nothing. It's, be, it's because of the he was shadow banned, and then he was outright oh, sure, banned, yeah. and so yeah. Uh, and apparently, just nobody keeps that stuff. They or they keep it online, and then if if uh, someone takes it down for being misinformation, well, 
then he, yeah, there's just no sources. It's all gone. Yeah, we've skipped. They they did a summary judgment because this is what a judge does rarely. Uh, if somebody refuses to participate in their own defense, um, will finally say, if you don't build a defense, then I I have to assume that you're negligent. I I've had I've heard nothing to the contrary. Like you haven't said anything yeah. to the contrary. So we're gonna go ahead and say you're negligent. Summary mm-hmm. judgment. Now move on to the damages portion, which is where we're at. In the actual handing over of documents and discovery, which eventually happened after several years, there was apparently child pornography, which they could tell was downloaded straight from, uh, I want to say like a 4chan or 8chan page. And I'm kind of like, okay, so they, they gave you that. Isn't that against the law or is that just something I, I don't that is just like i don't know anything about it you haven't heard about that no i mean i heard someone say something about that but be, not knowing anything else about it i cannot comment on it okay we can leave this out if you want i've it's been mentioned on knowledge fight so i so okay so this trial obviously has been bonkers as you say and so it's it's made for a good it's it makes for a good uh, interesting watch. Yeah. Um, Alex yeah. Jones took the stand, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, now he's been saying uh, on his show he's been calling the court a bunch of dwarf gob- goblins. Uh huh. Refers to the judge as Judge Goblin, um, and it's <laughs> some point. God. Uh, Couldn't come up with Mark, the plaintiff's else. attorney, in showing that Alex was continuing to talk about this trial against uh, against the rules, uh, the 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 rule, I think she said, right? Uh, he and uh, uh, Owen Schroyer and other people still talking about the trial on the show while uh-huh. it's occurring, even right. as they like often fail to show up in court during this, but uh, showed a, a picture that was circulating on the Infowars website of the judge uh, on fire. Um, oh, really? Which he he handed to her when he submitted it to evidence, or well, it was pre-submitted, but you know to show her. And yeah. She kind of chuckled about. She like looked at it and chuckled about it, like a goblin. She was like, <laughs> uh, as one does, and and also talking about the the plaintiffs, the victims on his show, which he's not supposed to do. Um, not really not taking any of this very seriously seemingly as as, uh he's not done it's kind of amazing he got up to testify which he said he wanted to do uh he he feels good about doing it because he really wants to set the record straight because obviously this trial is scripted and staged and he's being railroaded the defense attorney did not cross-examine the victims he uh did let uh, uh, scarlet testify Directly to Alex, which he wasn't in the, he wasn't in court for most of her testimony, but towards the tail end, um, they, they took a break. They came back and surprised. She still has more to say. And she got to say it to his face, mm-hmm. uh, for the first fucking time. Um, and she got to speak her piece because the defense attorney did not, um, berate her or cross, cross examine her or her husband, uh, Neil Heslin. Um, he did suggest in some cross examination, he asked what her annual salary was and suggested that she can afford to pay for her own PTSD therapy and doesn't need anything from Alex uh, or InfoWars. Um, also suggested that the grieving parents might have better luck in their healing process by talking to Alex directly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they want mediation. Mm-hmm. Yep, mediation. Yeah. yeah, maybe even going on his show. 
Uh, uh-huh. Which uh, Alex has also su- uh, strenuously suggested oh, uh, that she do at this point. You know he passed her a note at the end of uh, the trial week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's such a little sweetheart, though, on the inside. Yeah, it's it's hideous the way he further defamed uh, these parents, even after the judgment came down, saying that she tried to hug him. She watched his unedited videos and realized that he's not the bad guy, he's the good guy. And she she cried and said, I was wrong and you're right. Uh, it's just these, these terrible ambulance-chasing, disgusting attorneys yeah. that turned me against you. Uh, uh, but you're, you're right. And, uh, he says he wants to get her on the show so that, uh, he can boost her, her charity. I wonder if, I wonder if he was trying to prepare like a, no, I'm, I'm more of an entertainment show than a news show, uh, dialogue. It's like, I'm, I'm anti-news. It's like everything I say is never true, but I present it that way. And that's. It's schizophrenic the way he lives his life. The way the way he yeah. exists in reality. Yeah, he lives in a different reality. For sure. It's just a web of lies. It's crazy. He's he's whoever he needs to be to the person he's talking to, whether it's his audience, uh, or the judge, uh, or or who he needs to be in this documentary that just came out that is trying to sort of mainstream him. Um, right. It's yeah. I forget about that. It's so cringe. Uh, obviously, anyone who's knows anything about this trial uh has probably seen the as alex said perry mason moment Mm -hmm. uh where mark the uh plaintiff's attorney mark bankston mark bankston you know what i never get tired i never get tired of mark springing this on alex yeah (laughs) uh let's just run it man let's just put it you know how an iphone works right you've had iphone text messaging for several years now yeah what does it mean if the messages are in blue? Whose uh, messages are those? Whose phone is this taken from? I don't know whose phone's taken from. I mean, I just, I turned the phone over and said, take the stuff off. Can I have you look in the very bottom below the very bottom left corner? Is that your phone number? Yes. So you did get my text messages. And it said you didn't. Nice trick. <laughs> yes, Mr. Jones. Oh. Indeed. You didn't give this text message to me. You don't, you don't know where this came from. Do you know where I got this? No. Mr. Jones, did you know that 12 days ago, 12 days ago, your attorneys messed up and sent me an entire digital copy of your entire cell phone with every text message you've sent for the past two years and when informed did not take any steps to identify it as privileged or protected in any way. And as of two days ago, it fell free and clear into my possession. And that is how I know you lied to me when you said you didn't have text messages about saying you Did you know that? I See, I told you the truth. This is your Perry Mason moment. I gave them my phone. and then, Mr. Jones, you need to answer the question. No, I, Did you I, know I, this happened? No, I don't know what's happening. To say it's a Perry Mason moment is so under underrating it. <laughs> it's um, it's a brilliant piece of a comedy, b understanding the laws you might expect a lawyer to, and c like just fucking shoving somebody's face in it, like all of those things. 
he had been sitting on this shit, not knowing if Alex was going to take the stand and he'd be able to confront Alex with the very text messages that Alex denied having and also informing him of the vast trove of information that they got, two years of phone records. Yeah. It was a link that was sent to them belatedly, Mm -hmm. but sent. Um, It should have been, you know, this stuff should have been disclosed years ago during the discovery process, but sent a link. They started just downloading what was on the link and it crashed the fucking servers because there was so much information. They were like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And they immediately informed uh, the defense attorneys. uh, I don't think. They gave them a requisite 10 days to file a motion for discern what is under privilege and like call those files and let us. And this is the stuff that we want you to have. They didn't do that. They didn't do it. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. And it's just it it's just another another misstep in the really fucking horrible defense that Alex Jones has had through all this. I mean, Roger which Stone is, which is rightly has so, already said. I think it's best that all of his lawyers are fucking clowns and hacks. Alex needs Well, here's the thing, his lawyer is not a hack. Like he He is now. <laughs> well, his reputation know, he, is definitely going to suffer. Yeah, even I didn't, he ended up holding the bagger, uh, the uh, hot potato. Yep, the hot potato. Because uh, they cycled through so many lawyers, uh-huh. and he came in late. Yeah, he was like, he didn't he know sent, what he was signing up he for. He sent the file. He didn't know what was in there, I bet you. And it, you want to know something. So and here's, also, here's, I could play a clip of the judge saying, enough of the aw shucks, I'm just a small country, a small town country <laughs> lawyer routine. Oh, because you've never been in a courtroom before, because he was so inept during yeah. the trial process. That he was so inept that the plaintiff's lawyer, uh, Mark Bankston, said, Your Honor, he's intentionally going for a mistrial here. Yeah. There's no way that you could fuck up this many times. Right, right. Um, on accident. <laughs> There's no <laughs> way. It is on purpose. Yeah. So some of the stuff that they found in there, they talk about it needing to be under attorney-client privilege and then privilege. And then there are also medical records on there. Those shouldn't be anywhere near there. That's weird. It turns out, from what I understand, that some of these medical records are actually from some of the people in the Connecticut defamation lawsuit against Alex Jones. Wait. And so in Connecticut, where they're still putting this lawsuit together, people are like, wait, why do you have the medical records of these people? (laughs) Why Why is that in your... Because... How the discovery process has gone in Connecticut so far is they have received child pornography. Mm. That wasn't in the Texas case. That's in the Connecticut case, which hasn't started yet. They're still trying to hash some shit out and get it ready. So, yeah, I, that's, I don't, we got a round the, two coming as up. As far as the CD fucking insane. contents is, of Alex's phone for two years, I, I'm not... I don't know what kind of stuff he has on there, what kind of excuses he has for why he has it. You know what? I don't know that he had anything to do with that. I'm sure all of that shit was put together by an intern, maybe a pissed off one, uh, somebody on the fucking crew. You know, this is neither here nor there, but I'll bring it up because it's entertaining. Yeah. Because, you know, we're seeing Alex respond on on his show and blah, blah. And he brought up, he was like, well, someone's asked if uh, if there's any... uh, salacious pictures that they got 
You got any of your nudes? Uh, he says, I, you know, they didn't get any of my dick pics. They did, they did get an intimate photo of my wife. So, Mark Bankson brought this up on the Young Turks because Alex brought it up first. Uh huh. And said, yes, about the, the intimate photo of Alex's wife. Uh, obviously, we would never share that with anyone. Um, there's a lot of things that we're going to hold back, which is more than what Alex would do if he had my personal phone, I just yeah. want to say. But um, the only reason I'm bringing it up now is because Alex did A and B, because that photo of Alex's wife was actually not just on the phone. It was sent in a text message to Roger Stone, and I don't know for sure if she knows that. And I think she should. I think she does now. She does now. She might have known at the time. (laughs) And again, no kink shaming. We all know that Roger Stone is a notorious swinger, he and his wife. And it could be that Alex and his wife, likewise, uh, and she was totally on board with this. But there's also a possibility that she was not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, Roger Stone getting his second, like, uh, you know, ancillary mention in the show right now. Mm-hmm. Talked about his pardon with Trump earlier, and now, like, yeah, he is super buddy-buddy with Alex. He's on the show all the time. And I will listen to Roger Stone on, on InfoWars before I'll listen to Judge Joe Brown again, because that guy's fucked up. At the end of the day, the jury decided... Uh, on 4.1 million in compensatory damages, which is really not that much now that we know f- just from Alex's phone and not from any disclosure <laughs> how much, uh, Infowars is raking in per month. Mm-hmm. Um, 4.1 compensatory, uh, which Alex definitely considered to be a victory for him. Punitive or exempt, uh, Exemplary damages. Right. 45 million. Or 49? 49 million. Uh, 45 and change. So the whole, the total is just under 50. Yeah. It it doesn't matter. That's not real money because this is Texas. And uh, here, compensatory damages are capped at under a million. Uh, So actually, they're. The plaintiffs, that's that's the rule. Plaintiffs are not going to receive that money. They're only going to receive a fraction of that money, uh, probably. Um, I, I think it's it's like absolutely capped at two hundred thousand right. dollars. That's what the jury said, and now it has to go through the statutes, and yeah, it has to fit under these caps and everything. Um, yeah, Texas not a great place to sue people for punitive damages because there's all these protections. If you if you if you are an eighty something year old woman and you spill hot coffee in your lap at a McDonald's drive in mm. and have your uh, God, what was the horrible term they used for her injuries? Scalded vagina. Cauterized vagina or something. Oh, jeez. It's worse. Don't do it in Texas because you are not going to get that money from McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, Whatever the jury decides, you're only going to get a few Gs. But But, the jury ruled what they ruled. uh, Well, here's the thing is that he's getting his day in court, which he's – literally fucking asked for forever. He's talked about how people don't want to listen to him and he can prove it all. And he you demonstrably know, cannot. Whatever demonstrably bullshit he cannot. says on his show. And the point where he was on his show and he was saying that this entire trial was running off of a script 
and that, uh, you know, the judge and every, all the jury were all actors and everything was fake. You know, he was like, are you saying that right now under oath? Are you saying that that's true? And that's what you think of this court. And he just fucking like really refused to kind of say yes or no, because the point is, are you lying there or are you lying now? Like, where is it? Where's the fucking truth? I mean, truth? I see what you're saying. And, and this was like the fine. This was the only moment we've seen anybody actually be able to kind of try and fucking pin him down. And it was, it's yeah, it's brilliant to hear because it's almost like fake news itself is on trial, and uh, he he's an avatar for all disinformation peddlers, and yeah. it's, it sets a certain precedent. What kind of damages somebody would be liable for in this uh, exact situation in other places besides Texas, which is a deterrent potentially for yeah. act, uh, being so maliciously reckless in your own self-interest that you would set set your mob on grieving parents. I mean, I, I'd love to see the guy go bankrupt. You know, the lawyers know that this is... So, okay, so yeah, I was listening to the Knowledge Fight recap. They were talking about uh, if if InfoWars went bankrupt, um, who, who would get the name? Um, and what, what could you do with it? Uh, talked about the, the InfoWars desk on the TV show. You know, one of the lawyers claimed it, says, no, nah, I want that desk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the Dan from the Knowledge Fight was like, all right, I'll, I'll take the decorative skull that he puts yeah, on the and desk he pulls sometimes. Out every now and then. And uh, Mark Bankston was just like, well, I just want his gun collection because of the charity organization out of <laughs> Dallas I'm running. <laughs> Uh, guns for the homeless. Yeah. We're trying to get, uh, AR-15s in the hands of every homeless, uh, uh, person in, in Dallas. Just you to know, see, just to kind of open the conversation like, about open, like, open up that conversation. Oh, wait, are, why are guns dangerous now? <laughs> wait, goes, why is it? He goes, it's all about second amendment rights until the Bastille gets a hold of the guns. And then, and then we'll see what people think about gun control. Yeah. Um, I, I, <clears throat> I, th- I thought that was fucking hilarious, and I, I do love this guy. But I know that they take, they, you know, they're ta- he's celebrating his, he's doing a victory lap, obviously, yeah, no, rightly and so, fucking well deserved. Um, very happy with how the how things went at the end of the day. It's not about money; it's about accountability, and accountability yeah. did happen. Um, I think uh, I think a lot of people feel like Alex looks like a fucking clown, uh, and. Um, yeah, the January 6th investigators have also requested Alex's phone. Don't expect there to be a lot of intimate text messages with heavy hitters on that phone sure. that that shed a lot of light on things. Yeah. But it's a win at the end of the day. Uh, no, I, I don't think anyone could have expected things to go quite like they did. Do you think he actually has, like, Trump's, like, cell phone number? Do you think... I don't know, man. I want to say no. We know that, like, the January 6th committee, as soon, 30 minutes after that happened in court, where we found out that they had his full phone records, the January 6th committee was contacting their law firm to be like, hey, what's up? 30 minutes. What's up? Send me those nudes. And like I said... Not so the, the news of his wife, the, the news day, of his, his right. text records. <laughs> they went before the judge, and now the belatedly... Renault, uh, the defense attorney is trying right. to crawl, uh, um, claw, claw back that information, but it's, it's just too late. And his, his and whole thing is he's like, 
I want to claw back the whole thing and have it all, you know, voided uh, from the record. And the judge is like, well, what specifically is privileged? And he's like, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of information there. I, I don't know. Like, I can't. She's like. <laughs> I mean, I can't yeah, tell you it's um, privileged. <laughs> well, just, I, she's like, well, I mean, I have an hour. We can kind of start going through it. If you have specific examples, then I can just start, get, you know, mm-hmm. uh, making those uh, confidential, giving those back. And he's like, I, I don't know. There's just too much. Like, he's yeah. so disorganized. And she's like, well, we've already seen, I can't just give you back the whole thing. I can't because there's already stuff on there that we should have received four years ago. Yeah. You guys had, I mean, had your fucking chance. We should have already had this stuff. To actually do paperwork and get it back. You could have had it back. This is why we don't, this is, she's like, this is why we participate with discovery and do things in an orderly fashion (sighs) when there's time. Yeah. It's fucking wild. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but I mean, it's, it's no Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. I mean, uh, it's the it's, real trial of the century, right? And it's a. Uh, I I worry that it's like callous for me to say that it's fun to watch, knowing that there's what no it's suffering. stemming from. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it so, is it is fun. It's <laughs> cathartic. Yeah, you know, and I I cannot fucking wait for that Connecticut trial. And looking forward to that Trump trial. Has the jury reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. Hit it. He's guilty, Judge, he's guilty. You could see it in his eyes. He did the crime and now he's got to pay. He's guilty, judge, he's guilty. We have seen through all his lies. The time has come to put this boy away. Well, Just want to bring up just a couple little short, sweet things that I found in the news. 
have you heard about the uh, service where you can anonymously send feces to people? Shitexpress.com has been hacked. Uh, there was somebody who apparently is like, there's this whole like fucking flame war going on between hackers. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, one of them was going to send some packaged shit to the other one and decided to poke around on the website, shitexpress.com and found a vulnerability there and, uh, went ahead and breached it and got millions of users data. Maybe not millions. What I hear is that there was actually not a lot of people who use that service. Shit. Uh, they were, this hacker was, I can't believe they got my data. This is just as bad as the Equifax hack. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think obviously the first thing I would do if I was, uh, really just kind of like an anarchy hacker who is having like a hack war with somebody else and wanted to send them a box of shit. I would just automatically just start sending shit. You're thinking of a, some, a certain someone special. I'm thinking of this TikTok I saw recently where this guy is like, did you know that you can send flies? A to, closer. Did you know that you can send flies to anyone? Like you could just like have flies delivered to the Kardashians. <laughs> Because someone stitched it, it cuts to Kendall Jenner, like, removing her makeup after, like, a modeling show or something. And she's like, forget about the fly that's buzzing around you guys. Uh, he's just, like, here. He's, like, a friend now because I don't feel like killing him. And then cuts to her a second later being like, is there a family of flies? <laughs> <laughs> he fucking did it. He fucking sent the flies to Kendall Jenner. That's too perfect That's for that good. not to have been him. Yeah. Like, he had to have done it somehow. He got the flies and Someone opened that package in the house, and it was full of flies. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's that. And then there's also, uh, speaking of uh, maybe critters you don't want around, just in case you're wondering, uh, there is a new invasive species being documented here in Texas. Uh, around Houston, there is a certain uh, crawfish that uh, is called the uh, Red Australian Crawfish. Ooh, that's a long swim. It's a long swim. Boy, are his claws tired. Uh, so these fucking craw gods, right, uh, they can get up to be about two pounds. Uh, they, they're they very large compared to other crawfish that are you know local to these parts. They can lay around a thousand eggs per clutch. Um... And they are, quote, illegal to buy, sell, own, or release in Texas. Mm. And they're being found in some ponds in uh, Houston. And uh, and I think they might have found some in California. So, like, that might be, like, the next kind of big thing. And they obviously, they, they're going to throw off the biome quite a bit. They're going to make it harder for yeah, I guess so. other things living in it, vegetation and fish and, and turtles and the whole deal. Are they tasty? They are... a Allegedly very tasty. Mm. And I notice in this, illegal to buy, sell, own, or release. Cook or eat is not listed mm. in that. But you do kind of have to own them, or do you? It's not illegal to steal them. So if you steal them from somebody, and then you can cook and eat them, and you've broken no laws. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the invasive species we have running around the place were actually introduced um on 
on purpose. Uh, yeah. The hogs, obviously. Oh, uh, the hogs. Big problem here in Texas, so I'm told. I've never The hogs of Texas are one. upon you. The only hog I've actually seen in all the years I've lived here was in a cage. that It was trapped by my pest control company. Oh, wow. And they were giving That's, it food and water. They're just going to fucking barbecue I'm pretty that sure they were just, they were just yeah. giving it food and water until they were ready to barbecue it. But yeah. someone told me once that cedar trees were introduced here. And I don't, I'm not sure if that's true because... Because why would Steve Cedar feel the need to do that? Pete Cedar. Pete Cedar. There we go. When I smell cedar, I smell Texas. That's what Texas smells like to me. Really? Mm-hmm. Texas is a big place. I smell uh, diesel and oil, and that's what Texas smells like to me because I grew up in New Mexico, close to West Texas. So that is what West Texas is. And we drove through there couple months ago if you recall and honest opinion what'd you think (laughs) what'd you think about west texas it was beautiful sitting at the top of the dunes uh in monahan looking out across the uh monahans the monahans state park sitting on top of a dune looking out across the uh permian basin and seeing the uh the lights from the oil uh rigs and flaming in the distance uh, I thought it was absolutely gorgeous, but lonely uh, in those desert dunes in that heat. Mm. Anywho, I think that means it's about time. Uh, well, it's been fun, everybody. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to do a repeat of this show next week. I might do an, a special episode on the in-between, but then we'll be back week after that with more of that great gripe shit. Uh, go get on our Instagram. It's uh, Radio Gripe TX. And uh, send us an email. That's we're trying show at gmail.com. Uh, we've got to give a lot of thanks here, uh, Black Sparrow, uh, for having us on the network. Uh, we want to give thanks to Trevor and the Mental State Fair for a theme song, Dying in Texas. And we want to give a big shout out to Alex Cuervo of Spectrostatic and also Hex Dispensers, which we're actually going to go see this weekend on Sunday here in Taylor. They're about to do a Euro- European tour. That's fucking cool. Um, but yeah, you can check out a Spectrostatic on Spotify as well as Hex Dispensers and Eerie Family and a lot of those other projects. Thanks for joining us again, and as always, stay fresh. Cheese bags. Sit down.